Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey. I'm your host, Jamie, and we have a great show today. We are January 11th. We're moving and grooving. My kids are back in school. We had a phenomenal holidays. And if you're like me, oftentimes in January, we start thinking of the things we want to put back into our lives. Maybe you want to eat better. Maybe you want to move your body better. Maybe you want to be a better friend. So many people often are going, you know what? I want to get back into God's word. I want to be reading God's word every day. And I have a great show for you today, all about getting back into God's word. My friend Kat Armstrong joins us and she's been a guest on the happy hour forever. In fact, I think she's been on five times before this. I just love her. I often say she's one of my favorite Bible teachers. She is wise, she is compassionate, she is genuine, and she has two new Bible studies that are releasing next week. And what I love about these Bible studies is they're intended to do individually or with a group. So you could grab this and do it on your own. You could bring it into your small group. You could introduce it at your church. These Bible studies are called Storyline Bible Studies. The studies guide you through the storyline of scripture. They each follow people, places, or things in the Bible. The first two that are releasing next week are over mountains and valleys. And Kat and I spend some time today talking about these two studies. We also spend some time talking about what does it mean to get back into God's word if you've been afraid, if you've been hurt by his word before, if you felt unwelcomed because of his word, we really, really want to encourage you to look at God's word as one whole big story, telling God's story of love towards us. Guys, before Kat comes on, I also want to say this. We have a podcasting course. If you're listening and you've ever thought, I want to start a podcast, well, guess what? Over at Ivy Media Podcasts, we would love to help you make your dream of becoming a podcaster a reality. Right now, the course is open. We open this course twice a year. And right now, we want to give you the opportunity to purchase the course to help you go from idea to launching a podcast. For all of the information about the course, go to jamieivy.com slash courses. Use the code happy hour for 15% off your purchase. All right, you guys, here's my conversation with Kat Armstrong. You guys, if you want to find more information about my friend Kat, go to katarmstrong.com. Also, if you're interested in these Bible studies, Mountains and Valleys, you can find them anywhere you buy books. They come out next week. You could pre-order it now and have it ready to show up in your mailbox next week where you can dive in to God's story of love towards his people. Kat Armstrong, welcome back to the happy hour. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to have you here. Every time I have someone that's already been on the show before, I go back and like look at when they were on and write it down. And the list of how many times you've been on the show is so long. Okay, so I've got uh, the very first time was in March of 2016. All right. Then you came back in January of 2019. Then September 2019. Then December of 2021. And now, and the Jamie Ivey show, which came out in December of 2021. And now... January 2023. I'm so happy you're here. 
Well, you've been a really good friend and you're such a huge encouragement and support to me. So thanks for having me on the show again. I hope your listeners don't get tired of me. We're never tired of you. I always say you're one of my favorite Bible teachers. You can come back over and over. Um, I'm super excited to have you on this show today because it's January. We're like 11 days in. And I think a lot of times in January, we do all kinds of like new goals. I mean, we're recording this full disclosure in December and I've already cat start to think about the amazing person I'm going to be in 2023 when I start doing all my new goals. Um, Half joking, half serious, but it is. We turn over a new year and we look ahead and a lot of people will say, I want to read my Bible more. And we've talked about that a lot on the happy hour. We've had Terry Lee Cobble on several times and so many people have started reading the Bible because of her. I'm so grateful for that. Uh, But I want to talk to you about that, okay? Because I think a lot of people can feel that the Bible is super scary, or intimidating, or, okay, I just, where do I start? And so I first want you to talk to us about someone who's feeling scary, intimidated. Where do I start? How do you introduce them to studying God's word? Yeah, I mean, I would say just remember that it's just like a story unfolding in a movie or on a podcast that you're listening to or an audio book, right? That you don't know um, all the details as they unfold. So my uh, nine-year-old son, Caleb, is interrupting family movie time, constantly being like, well, what's going to happen? What are they? And we're like, Shh, just keep watching, keep reading. And I would say when we feel afraid to really engage with the scriptures, just keep reading. Just keep mm. reading until you find something that becomes a rabbit trail. I'm huge on rabbit trail. So I love all the plans. I love the liturgy. I love the 52 Weeks in the Word by Trillia Newbell. I love all the resources that get us into a plan. You know, Mm -hmm. so I've done all sorts of plans before. I love them. So do those things. And also, I think we get a little afraid when we feel overwhelmed. Yeah. And if you find something that interests you, you can pause your plan. (laughs) Oh, what? You have permission to go, you know what? I could skip a week and just focus on something kind of small Mm -hmm. in the Bible that interests me. And you could go to all sorts of online resources. So that's what I would say to someone who's kind of scared or overwhelmed. Um, And I would say, Jamie, I think there's a whole group of people right now. I think the church is in a really tender spot. I think we've lost some institutional trust in people in general. I think there's a deep longing for people to recover the beauty of God's Mm. storytelling. And it's as if they're, they're so intellectually curious, but they're like right on the precipice of either really pressing into God or kind of turning away from him. And I don't know if you sense that. Yeah. I sense mm-hmm. it a lot mm-hmm. that a lot of people are like, I'm, if it's worth it, I'll risk it all. Yeah. And I'll go all in. And if it's not, is this going to end up just being a, a fable? You know, mm-hmm. and you and I know it's a true story. And so I would just say, hold on until you get to the end of the story. Keep reading. Yeah. You know, it's interesting that you said that because I do sense that a lot that people are either like, I'm either going to jump in with two feet or, you know, I'm out. And you said we've lost some institutional trust. And I think that the church has been through over centuries and centuries, tons of hard times. And this is the time that you and I are living. And so we've probably experienced more hard times in the last couple of years than we have in our, especially in our 20 years of following Jesus and being adults. Um, And so I do see that a lot as well. And I think that for a lot of people who want to know God more, I think the Bible has been used as um, maybe 
discipline that's a weird word to use because god does discipline his children but you know like it's been used against them instead of for yeah. them and so right. what, what about that person who feels like okay so i grew up in the church and the church has always hurt me and god's word has never been good to me what what is your encouragement mm-hmm. to them Wow. Okay. So this is so providential that you're asking me this. I didn't prepare for this question, but I'm reading a book called The Least of These, Paul and the Marginalized by Carla Works, and it was endorsed. And the foreword is by the president of um, Truett Seminary. I love him, Todd, Todd Still. This book, it articulates that exact question. Wow. How do I read even Paul, to go more specific? Yeah. How do I read Paul mm. without feeling like he's bludgeoning me with misogynistic tendencies, pro-slavery text, you know, where is the abolitionist Paul when I need him? Where is the pro-woman Paul when I need him? Mm. And the entire book is really re- reframing Paul within his context. And I would just say um again, it's about knowing where you're dropping into the story. So context is super important so that you can know the limitations the story has within its context, Mm -hmm. that there were certain things that were happening that were pushing to the limit and other things that weren't even on their horizon to think about, Mm -hmm. to move the needle on. And so I would say to the person listening, who's like, I feel like it's been a sledgehammer. The Bible has been a sledgehammer. It hasn't been a rod and a staff that's comforted Mm -hmm. me. It hasn't been a, a sure foundation. It's felt a little bit um, like a prison cell. And I would just say that the truth really is supposed to set us free. Mm. And so I would say continue to find biblically literate, orthodox resources that are really grounded in the truth of God's word, um, but find things that feel familiar enough to be safe and orthodox and unique enough to really stretch you without triggering you. And I don't use that word triggering lightly. It's not like a part of my vernacular. It's just, you brought it up, Jamie. And I think a lot of people would say, I can't walk into a church right now. It's triggering. And when I even open my Bible, I feel like I'm unlearning Mm. so many things. Can I even learn from this? And I would just say, yes, of course you can. Yeah. Cause you know, we've been through a lot and, and you and I have talked about this before, but seeing a lot of people who would say that they are going through this this time in their life of deconstructing. And a lot of that is just thought of as like terrible, terrible. And, and I have my own ideas about, I've, I've had to deconstruct some ideas in my own personal life and my walk with Jesus that, that I don't think I was fully given the full spectrum of God's love and grace and truth on a certain subject. And so I don't see it as this terrible, terrible thing. But I do think a lot of people, like we said, are kind of on on, on the edge with what they're going to go. And and sometimes the new year is kind of like a new thing. You talk about, um, you've said before, I've heard you say that you, you see God as like this literary genius. And sometimes, like we've already been talking about, we can see the Bible as like just this book of rules. It's going to tell me what I should and what I shouldn't do. It is no familiar language, no family language. It's just, here's God just running people all the time. And you, but you describe him as, you describe God as so different than what that would mean. What do you mean by that? Yeah, I think God is the most amazing storyteller ever. And my son, Caleb, got into Star Wars during the pandemic. We were like, fine, whatever. <laughs> yes. <laughs> fine. So there's so many movies in the series, in the franchise. And Jamie, it was so fun to see him go, wait a minute. Oh, you know, 
episode six is it's connected to wait that's the same character oh so it's all connected or there'd be bright spots where you'd be like oh that's such a shout out to one of the movies or one of the characters who's passed or maybe who's super famous you know you see these little moments and i think that's what i know that's what god does with the bible so if we read it from genesis to revelation we'll start to see it's just one unified cohesive story And you have to be a literary genius to connect 44, you know, over 40 different authors, 60 different books and two testaments over 1500 years. I mean, there's just no way to create some, you know, literary cohesion. And yet you start to see these themes form, whether it's a person, a place or a thing, God repurposes places, repurposes character types, repurposes um, items in a story to connect the dots for people. And I've spent the last two years of my life researching people, places, and things in the scriptures. And that's how I got the storyline project that's coming out really soon. But yeah, Jamie, I would just encourage people that um, in the same way you fall in love with your favorite authors and your favorite storytellers, whether it's through a movie or a podcast, allow God to become that again in your life. Because mm. at one point when we were children, If we knew God then, we were kind of swept up in the magic. And we know it's not magic, Mm -hmm. but the like supernatural part of him putting stories together. And we've always been told he's writing our story Mm -hmm. and he's writing a good story. So I would say get swept back up in his storytelling and kind of marvel at how long it took him to do it. That's crazy the way you said when you laid all that out. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, think back to your college days when you had to do a group project and you're like, no, no, coordinating four people, getting us all aligned, getting people to pull their weight. And God just did a pretty massive group project over 1500 years. And there's a massive amount of cohesion. I mean, it's a really amazing story. If you don't know it, guys, I'm a Texas girl through and through. I've lived here most of my life. I was born here and I love traveling. Here's why I love traveling throughout Texas, because it has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities, which means there's an infinite number of different travel experiences. And no two travelers are exactly alike. And it means that no two trips should be either. If you're a beach person, well, you can have fun under the sun with Texas's 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies cannot get enough of Texas's world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interest. Guys, come visit my state. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. You know, one thing that I love about you as a teacher and a preacher and a, and just Bible study uh, creator is the way that you find specific things and tie them together. You've done this before in the past and you have your new storyline Bible studies, which I remember when you told me about this, that's actually what I was looking for. And when you got on the call, I was, I was trying to scroll back through all of our text messages um, because I remember when you told me about this and the excitement that you had about this project that was ahead of you. So tell us about the Storyline Bible Studies, which actually released next week, you guys. 
Yeah. So I was in Broken Bow with my family and um, I cry every time and we were um, drinking hot chocolate and I was finishing up a commentary by Pennington on the Sermon on the Mount. And he said this one line, Jamie, he just said, there are a lot of mountains in the book of Matthew. And he really quickly described Jesus was tempted on a mountain. Jesus preaches his most famous sermon on a mountain. Jesus is transfigured on a mountain. Jesus commissions his disciples on a mountain. Actually, he listed a whole lot more. Mm-hmm. But those were the four that I was like, huh, huh. That, yeah. is, that is true. There yeah. are a lot of mountains in Matthew. And I have recently really started to enjoy walking up mountains and enjoying the being high and to feel like the air is thin and I can see my breath and I feel like God is so close. And I feel like heaven and earth are meeting at these this high pinnacle geographically, but it also has like the spiritual place in my heart. And I started to realize this is how God um, has woven his story. He's put a lot of moments of high points in our faith history mm-hmm. on mountains. So I would argue that Eden was probably on a mountain. We obviously have Mount Sinai and the giving of the law on a mountain, the burning bush situations happening on a mountain. We have Mount Moriah. You get to the New Testament. There are so many mountains and we're going to end up on Mount Zion together at the end of the story. So I took some time to just look up every single time mountains was mentioned. And then I started connecting the dots and going, he did this on purpose. Of course, he put Jesus on a mountain to deliver the Sermon on the Mount because Moses had been on a mountain when he delivered the law. Of course, he's going to bring us back to a mountain. I think probably Eden was on a mountain. So we start there. We're going to end there. And I think I just that then I couldn't, you know, Jamie, the way my brain works, you really do know. You couldn't couldn't stop. stop. (laughs) You know, mountains got me interested in valleys. And as soon as I got into valleys, it helped me process grief. It helped me process some trauma I've been through the last five years, noticing these low points in our faith history. When God's people were faced with giants, they were faced by enemies, they were faced by doubts and fears, and they lived through these valleys knowing that God's presence was with them. And I started to see, wow, you know, um, Caleb and Joshua were scouting out the promised land in a valley when they saw the giants. And Jael and Deborah conquered their enemy in a, in a valley. And the valley of shadow of death in Psalm 23 is like my go-to, my go-to prayer. And the valley of dry bones in Ezekiel 37. I mean, it doesn't get worse than this, yeah. you know, standing amidst the dry bones of God's people. And I just started to see a theme of how God uses these geographical locations in the Bible to tell a beautiful story mm-hmm. about how he is with us in the mountains and he's with us in the valleys. Um, and then I got really interested in trees in the Bible. <laughs> and then the uh, then the Bible Project put out like a 10 billion part series on trees in the Bible. So I nerded out hard for months <laughs> and wrote a uh, a two-part series called Sticks and Stones. So one's about trees in the Bible, one's about stones. And I think of all six of them that I've written, Jamie, Stones is the one that was my favorite. Really? Why? It was my favorite. We were, we were going up to Branson, Missouri for the first time at spring break, and I had my Bible concordance. I'm like looking up every verse with the word stone or rock in the whole Bible. And we're like jamming out to worship songs. And then Erin says, babe, I booked us dinner at this the most famous restaurant there. 
at Branson. It's called Top of the Rock. I'm like, shut the front door. <laughs> what? You're Why like, am I so stones. excited? <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> you know, but it was things like that that would be so providential. Uh-huh. But then I did spend that time in Branson when Kayla would be at the pool or be on the boat, whatever, with Aaron. I would spend that time, Jamie, looking up and going, holy moly. I mean, you've got... You've got a Jacob sleeping on a rock, and he has that vision of God coming close to him. It's really where Jacob makes his faith his own. And then you've got Joshua leading the people, right? Um, and they pull, pull together stones of remembrance to memorialize that God showed up for them um, to cross the Jordan River. And then you've got Jesus rolling the stone away right for his resurrection and then peter tells us to be living stones because he's the living stone and we are to be living stones and so again i was putting all these things together going he did this on purpose like he did no this totally way. on purpose and i i think that people reading it originally jamie would have they would have nerded out too yeah they would have been like oh yeah rocks they would have remembered. I think that's something that we forget as well, is that they would have known the stories and they would have remembered so much um, of what that meant. I was recently, this is, has nothing to do with what your Bible studies are about, but I was reading um, when it says that we are royal priests. Um, and and I was thinking about, I was listening to a podcast when a woman was talking about what that would have meant to the original hearers, knowing what they knew about priesthood in Old Testament. And it just changes everything as you read it. It's going, that's the, what you talked about earlier, the context and what they would have known about it changes a lot. Uh, we started out the conversation talking about a lot of people are going to jump into Bible reading in January. It's going to be on their top of the to-do list. They're going to be a, a, a new year, new you. You're going to be reading your Bible, girl. <laughs> Let's talk about these Bible studies. Um, and how do you, what is your hope, I guess, for these studies with people diving into God's word? Yeah, I'm Jamie, every day I'm praying that people would put their faith back together. Mm. Every day. Put their faith back together. Because I think that's what happened to me. I think I felt really fragmented internally, and we know that happens for people who suffer through trauma or go through something really hard. You feel like parts of you kind of break apart, or you feel disconnected from yourself, from your faith, from other people. And the people listening right now who are going to get it, they're really going to get it. And the people who don't, just bear with me. I felt fragmented internally. Externally, what you described earlier of people deconstructing, and I put air quotes around that, I think a lot of people are actually not deconstructing. I think they're reframing and reordering mm. and reorganizing their faith. I think Jesus is their solid foundation. And they see like some rotten planks and they're like, that's got to go. Let's put a new one in. But this is solid ground. This is mm. Jesus. Um, and so I think for those of us who are reframing, reorganizing things in our faith, relearning, that also feels a little fragmented. Like, how does this all go back together? Mm-hmm. And I think studying the Bible this way, following a person, a place, or a thing, it helps you create cohesion. Mm-hmm. And in doing so in the story, it does it in your life. At least that's what happened to me, Jamie. Yeah. You know, I walked away from this going, there has to be a God. There, there has to be some supernatural power pulling together this kind of content to create a cohesive narrative mm-hmm. I could never dream of. Yeah. And additionally, he loves me and wants me to be a part of this story. He wants to put me back together. And so that's my prayer is that people would go, you know what? I really need to put my faith back together. And then I think secondarily, People are like, I just need to be intellectually curious again. I That's really, what I was going to say that. Is this, this, these studies make me feel like I would want to be curious. They would bring a curiosity out in me. That's what I'm praying. I am praying that people go, hmm, 
<laughs> I haven't thought about mountains in the Bible. How random. Mm-hmm. Who is this girl? Um, and also, why would that be? And I want to go reread that story. You know, of course, Mount Sinai has significance, but I've really not thought about the mountain itself right. or how it reappears in the Bible story. So yeah, I think it'll help people that way. Mm, I think it also, when I hear you talk about it, for those of us who have grown up in church and maybe been in church our, our whole lives, this curiosity that you mentioned, I think it also will help us maybe bring some more life to a quote unquote story, which is true and real and all the things, but it can turn into this story that we hear, like like just a story that someone's talking about their life and it doesn't really kind of do something in our heart, but it can be this refreshing of a story. You know, you're talking a lot about Mount Sinai and the law. And I can just, as a follower of Jesus for 24 years, could tell you the whole story. But I feel like what you're saying is you want something new to come afresh in someone's life there. I would love for people to experience them the way they go to movies and even AR, like even just um, when they go online mm. to this virtual world to experience what's happening there, that they would feel the same way about the scriptures. It's almost like they would put themselves inside the story to see to look around and go, what was this like? Mm. And could I look at this from a different viewpoint? And I think sometimes, because you know, Jamie, I love studying the Bible by book, person, verse. I love it. Please keep doing that. Um, This would just be another layer to your Bible study. And again, if you're thinking, okay, 2023, it's my year. I'm going to get serious. I'm going to do this. You've got to find something that will hold your attention. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is, I cannot get Caleb Armstrong to care about long division. And I'm having to Google how to do it and how they teach him because I don't know. I do it on a calculator. I can't get him, Jamie, to sit down. It's just pulling teeth. But he got into baseball card trading and baseball card stats. He can do math like that with the baseball cards. I'll walk by and he's just geeking out over his new collection that he's bought with his daddy. And he's zoned in for an hour and a half. I can't pry him away from the baseball cards because it's piqued his interest, Mm -hmm. something that I haven't been able to do with long division. So if we can find a way with our faith, if it feels like just going through the motions, I know I need to be in the word. So I'm going to get in the word, find a new way to do it. Maybe that'll help. What will really help is when our curiosity is piqued Mm. and we go, Oh, what is that? I want to follow that thread through the Bible, or I want to take a couple months and really dig deep on that. I guarantee you it'll do better for your faith than just staying in something and a reading plan just because you committed to do it. Do you need to do these by yourself or in a group or what do you suggest? You can do both. They're designed for individuals, but then I wrote free study guides you can download on my website for groups and for large groups. I love that. Because we're using them at Dallas Bible Church, our church, and I know what it takes when you're a small group leader and you're like, I really have to convert what I read into some discussion questions. How are we going to organize prayer time? Do we need to have any liturgy that helps like bring people together? And you did it all for them? Mm -hmm. Look at you, Kat Armstrong. That's all free. All free online, go get it. So there's discussion guides for small group leaders. And then for the large group leaders, you know, Jamie, what's hard for them is they'll get a five week, 10 week, eight week study, but they have to put it in a 12, 14 week Mm -hmm. calendar Mm -hmm. for ministry work. So they usually operate on semesters. And so I took all the guesswork out. Like if you're going to use mountains and valleys, here's like a templated calendar of what weeks you do. And then I even came up with preaching outline, not outlines, topics. 
So sometimes if you're in a Bible study at church and they preach about what you just studied, yeah. you're like, I mean, why do I do need to do the study? They're going to talk <laughs> about it when I get there. Or maybe that's just me and my cheating nature. Uh-huh. Um, but I created some, you know, if you're going to do mountains and you're a pastor listening or a discipleship person, I listed mountains that I didn't cover in the study mm. that would perfectly complement so they would know what to preach on. Wow. You basically just set everybody up for the year. <laughs> mountains and valleys came out um it comes out next week and as i'm hearing you talk about the other studies that you have going on i i'm sure that you guys thought about this because you guys are all really smart over there i do not find it um surprising that mountains and valleys came out first because i feel like well, that's what life feels like a lot um we probably actually live most of our life on the land and then we have mountain experiences and we have valley experiences but if we're honest, I think our memories cling to mountain experiences and valley experiences more than the everyday Tuesday experiences. And so I don't find it surprising that these two release. Um, I'd love to hear from you. Like when you think about what has it been like for you on a mountain or what has it been like for you in a valley um, and how has studying God's word helped you even process those times in your life as a follower of Jesus trying to do the best you can to serve him and follow him and be a mom and a leader and a and a wife and, and a church leader, all the things. Mm-hmm. I think I've heard Tony Collier say, you've got to go through the valley to get up to the mountain or something similar to it. And that's what I experienced in these studies, Jamie, is that I love to look back and um, only focus on the mountains because sometimes it's just too painful to go down there in the valley. Yeah, you don't want to go back. And remember. Yeah. Yeah, it's really hard. Um, But I think when I looked to the scriptures and read the story in light of these geographical locations, I was reminded that they're not just plots. They're not like a little pin dropped by God on our phones to reorient ourselves in an ancient world. They are... They're symbolic. They're imagery that's supposed to almost become almost like another character in the story. Mm. And they're, um, I think the other thing that really happened to me when it came to mountains, um, I really wanted to stay there. By the time it was time to write valleys, I was like, no, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. We could write a whole nother part two, uh-huh. mountains part two. Um, but I think putting the two together, it was mm. a good reminder that we are going to have both. And so you just said that we're going to have both. Um, it gave me a lot of time to process um, my my father's death by suicide five years ago, some pretty significant church hurt that I walked through, and just an overall change in what I do for a living during the day. So it's a big identity shift. I was able to take all three of those experiences to the Valley's Bible study and process that um, Caleb and Joshua and Deborah and JL and David, and Ezekiel, and all these people that I know and love and revere how they live their faith, they had to go through those valleys. And when their faith was tested, these deep places became not just low points in their life, it actually became fertile ground to cultivate a deeper relationship with God. And so I think sometimes we look at our valleys, well, it's just something you got to go through. Life is hard. Sin is real. The world is broken, but more so a reframing of, yeah, I mean, it's the valleys are a part of it. We're going to have to walk through it, but also it might be the only place in our journey where we can cultivate that kind of deep, deep roots in our faith. So it's low, but it's also a place to dig deep. 
And the research that I did on the geography of some of these valleys is they were some of the most fertile places to plant because it's where so much water came. And so when it wasn't winter, it would be a place where things really flourish. And many times it's where it was closest to water. Since water doesn't go over a mountain, it goes through valleys. I thought that was really fascinating too, that we can be most connected to our life source and feel as though we're flourishing, even if we're in a valley. Yeah, I would say, I think I've had this conversation on the happy hour before about some of my valleys is where I felt the most connected to God. And I've had handful of people who have come on the show and told their just horrible valley stories that you just would not wish on your worst enemy Mm -hmm. and they have said obviously they would never want to do that again and obviously they don't want to live in that valley but a lot of them have said i knew god deeper in deeper ways than i ever had before in those valleys and it's like what you're just saying and i'm assuming in the study that you (laughs) probably tackle the hard question of suffering and where's god in all of this and i think that can be a really hard question for people for humans to grapple mm-hmm. with is like like you just said we want to live on the mountain you know and and mm-hmm. there is this broken world so i'm assuming you cover that also in the valley bible study yeah we do talk about it a little bit i mean the way that i talk about it in the study is i'm not sure how much progress we'll make in our faith by asking the same question the same way that has been asked for thousands of years and gone relatively unanswered. There are answers, but when you are in a valley, they are not satisfactory. So you can tell me theological truth that makes total sense on the mountaintop about the valley, but when I'm in it, don't sing a song right to a heavy heart. Um, And so more so what I talk about in there, Jamie, is where is God when you are in the valley? And not so much how you got there or why you got there or how long it will last. These things I don't know that we can answer, but I do know that based on Ezekiel 37, that the valley is not the end of the story. That even when we feel like my life is an ash heap, like it could not get worse. um, God shows us that he can resurrect even dry bones in a valley. That even if we feel cursed, because I think that whole thing is about a curse, um, And so, yeah, it's definitely going to take some, I mean, we cover some hard things in there, like my father's passing, death by suicide, um, some uh, moments in my faith that coincided with his tragic death, and regret. I cover a lot of regret. I hated writing about that because there are a few things I regret, but the ones I do are so big. And so, yeah, I mean, I think the people who do valleys, you're going to have to be brave, but you're totally up for the task. And I think for many people, just knowing that you're going to have a guide with you and that, you know, I hope to be a guide with you, um, that if you surrender your story, um, to the Bible story, you're, you're going to experience getting back up to the mountaintop with God. Mm. And the truth is, I mean, the Valley feels scary and no one wants to sign up to go there, but we've all been there. And I hate to say it, we're probably all going to be there again. And so Mm -hmm. for me, as someone who leans more on towards like, I I don't say that I'm negative Nancy. I say I'm just prepared for all circumstances. Okay. So (laughs) for someone like me, who's fully aware that there's potentially a valley around every corner, (laughs) um, it actually brings me great comfort and hope um, to know that I don't need the answers. I don't need, I personally don't need the the questions answered of why am I in the valley? How did I get here? 
what I need to know is what you said is like, where's God when I'm in the valley? And so knowing that God is in the deepest of the valleys with me is what I need to know. Yeah. And I think someone listening probably just needs to be reminded, you know, there are going to be new mountaintops. You won't live forever in the valley Mm -hmm. and God's with there. God is with you in the valley. He's with you. So even in the darkest places, he's with you. Um, you know, in the study, Jamie, what I try to do is take people through like a four part journey in each story. So they go through context. The whole first day is just telling you about what are you about to read? What Mm -hmm. is this? Where are you in the Bible story? Who are these characters? What has been happening? What can we anticipate in the story? And I ask this question on every single day, one of each week, have you heard the story before? And how is where you are in life impacting how you could read this story? Because I think sometimes we forget that. Mm -hmm. What you're going through right now impacts your reading. That's why we keep coming back to the text to read again in a new season of life. And then in that second part, they're going to do a bunch of observation work. Like, what does it say? And then go to what does it mean? And finally, in that last part, it's really about how do I internalize this? What are my next right steps? What's the Holy Spirit leading me to? And I think by the time you get to that point, um, some of those hard questions we're we're asking of God and asking of the text, why is it this way? Mm -hmm. We get to a place where like, well, I don't know that we've arrived fully on an answer about that, but I do know what I should be doing Mm -hmm. in light of what I'm reading. Well, I know this is going to be a really helpful resource to a lot of people. And I, I love that it's coming out in January when a lot of people are getting back on track with their Bible reading plans. And and again, I love you set this up so well that the, the Bible, Bible reading plans are amazing and awesome, and we all recommend them. Um, and this is also a great resource to dive in deeper and to see a bunch of little pens coming together to make one beautiful story. And so I love it so much. Kat, I know you're an avid reader. I'd love to know what you're reading. Jamie wants to know, Jamie wants to know, we want to know what you're reading. Yeah, I'm reading um, something called Raising Emotionally Strong Boys by David Thomas. Love David, Uh uh-huh. I'm reading um, How to Talk So Kids Will Listen and Listen So Kids Will Talk. Okay. There's a theme. Um, I'm reading The Least of These by Carla Works on Paul's... um, uh, and then I'm doing a ton of reading for my doctorate in New Testament context. It's been super fun. Um, and I'm also reading Latte with Luke by Sandra Glahn. It is so good. Okay. It is so good. She's a professor at Dallas Seminary. Um, she's a well-traveled woman, and she just loves the Bible. It's so good. So I'm using that like every day. I think latte with Luke could go a couple different ways because when you first said latte with Luke, I was like, oh, it's a rom-com, you know, like it's a it's a woman <laughs> who meets a man named Luke in Paris and, and they have lattes every day. And then as you went on, I was like, oh, I think she's speaking of um, Luke as one of the gospel writers. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, so. I know, I really need to get into fiction. It is bad. Uh, no, you're in the middle of your, where are you getting your doctorate? At Northern Seminary in Chicago. Congratulations. So, oh, friend, thank you. You know I went for Dean and Provost Dr. Lynn Kohick, and I'm going to stay because of Scott McKnight and Nietzsche Gupta. These three, I mean, the, the, everyone who's at that institution is just incredible. But um, I think Lynn's 
she just blows my mind. She's, I can't, should I even call her Lynn? Let me retract that. <laughs> Dr. Dr. Kohik. Um, I'm not, I don't know that we're friends enough. I can call her Lynn. In a couple of she, years, you'll be on the same plane level. So there you go. No, no, I don't know about that, but I'm having a blast. And it's been fun to like bring Caleb along for the journey. He's learning a ton of random stuff too. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Well, Kat, I'm always cheering you on. I love everything you're doing. And I'm super excited about uh, these Bible studies that you've been so super excited about. I've loved following along on this journey with you, and I'm excited for them to get into to women's hands. I really, really am. Thanks, Jamie. The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey is a production of Ivy Media Podcasts. Executive produced by Jamie Ivey, produced by Lindsay Sweeney, edited by Angie Elkins, show notes by Ashley Miner, art by Jen Jet Barrett, original music by Matt Graham, and I'm your host, Jamie. Have a happy hour with a friend. <laughs>